0: In 2017, the scariest thing imaginable happened to seven members of the same family. They were all accused of operating a child sex ring out of their own home. Accusations that eventually proved false, but not before tearing the family apart, ruining their lives and reputations, and collectively spending more than 200 days in prison. It's the most devastating situation possible, They were charged with 127 counts of monstrous child sex abuse, including, quote, bizarre blood rituals. And the family, who were labeled circus freaks by the media, was behind it all. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. Okay, guys, so first, I want to start this episode off um, with a, not not so much a, well, yes, a disclaimer. A a disclaimer first. I got a few things I want to start it off with. Uh, Number one, there's a disclaimer that there is some horrific accusations of child abuse here, um, some of which we will talk about, some of which we will not. Um, Even though these are false, they're still very hard to hear, and they still will create some pretty fucked up mental images, so just be aware of that. Also, another disclaimer: This story is very, very new. I know this crime happened in 2017, but this whole proceedings and where we're at today is still very current, and the Australian police are still considering uh, prosecuting this family if something else comes up. Okay, so this is very new. There's about there's a few articles out there on it, um, but the main source that I used to study was a 60 Minutes documentary done by 60 Minutes Australia. Um, So that is the main source out there on it. Now, some Australians I've noticed on Reddit and different forums online, some Australians are unhappy with the way that 60 Minutes uh, covered the case for whatever reason, but I thought they were pretty fair. Um, They had um, almost every member of the family had a chance to, to speak their claim and to show their face and, and tell their side of the story, um, as well as the defense attorney. Now, the only people that didn't get to speak very much were the police, um, and I, I would imagine that's because they refused. And and you'll find out you'll find out later why. So let's get going in this story. So our story starts on Friday, September first, first, first. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Friday, September 1st, 2017, in the quiet backwoods mountain home of the Cook family, which was nestled in the Blue Mountains area of New South Wales, Australia. It's early in the morning hours while the family is still sleeping. They are awakened suddenly when a small army bursts through the front door, apprehending each of them and restraining them without any type of instruction or, or cause or reason or anything. They tear the family out of their beds. Many of the members were half-dressed, maybe even sleeping in the nude, and they were were confused. They throw the family members to the ground, strip-search them, throw them in handcuffs, and lead them all outside. So now, when the group is all together outside, the officer in charge produces a search warrant for the premises and proceeds to read the allegations presented to the Cooks. Paul Cook, 54. His older sister, Teresa Cook, who was 60, her daughters, Yanni, who was 35, Clarissa, 25, and then relatives, Lucy, who was 22, and Lachi Cook, was just 17 years old. They were being accused of malicious sexual abuse of childs under the age of 10, along with kidnapping, assault, and producing, quote, child porn, because it had all been filmed. The search and raid of the family's home produced no real physical evidence as the police were looking for phones, hard drives, and other electronics, anything they could find photos or videos on. Now, the family, let's give a little background on the family here. The family ran a circus school and basically what they did was they taught community members, including disabled children, how to do circus acts. Uh, the Cook family claims the school and courses were meant not only for fun, but as a way to teach others about confidence and empowerment. Now, this is something that I kind of agree with. Now, some of these little circus tricks, juggling, uh, hula hoops, uh, tightrope walking, all these things, they may seem insignificant, but learning little, little skills like that, little party tricks and things like that can really do a lot for someone's uh, self-esteem, right? So I, I feel like they were doing a good thing. At this school for for doing this type of thing, this it, it sounds strange. It doesn't sound like the best way to make a living, um, but necessary in my opinion. I do. I I think this type of thing is necessary. It's fun to learn a new skill, even if it it, it seems quote unquote useless. Um, although I think no no skill is useless, but you know just a little background on that. I thought it was very interesting. So, um. In comes uh, Mr. Brian Wrench, okay? He's the family's lawyer. He says that this family was a target of a witch hunt by police. The family was released after their homes were searched, but no one was arrested that day. But of course it did not end there. The cooks were under surveillance for the next five months, including 24-hour tales. Their phones were bugged, and even friends and past acquaintances were wired and asked to speak with the Cooks. For instance, uh, in the case of Clarissa Cook, who was 25 at the time, okay? Clarissa Cook, she experienced the ultimate betrayal. She had recently ended a relationship with a man who was a junior detective, and the police saw this as an opportunity. Out of the blue, months after the raid, this ex um, of Clarissa's texts her and basically said that he wanted to rekindle their relationship. Clarissa, thinking the police would not stoop as low as to wire an ex to get evidence, accepted the invitation and met for a dinner date with the man. Quote, we did meet up. This is from Clarissa. We did meet up. We did. We hugged and kissed and everything. I just thought, it will be fine. The police would not stoop to this level of getting a cop who used to date me to interrogate me. That wouldn't happen. No way. I did like him. And I trusted him. And it's just an extra layer of betrayal. He was wired. The entire night was wired. End quote. But the real and ultimate betrayal for the family would come when they learned where the accusations originated. Up until this point, the family believed they had become the target of a wrongful case. Maybe the police got it wrong, wrote the address wrong or something, they thought. Teresa, who was being accused um, of being the ringleader because she was the matriarch of the family, she was the oldest at 60, um, texted some of her extended family to let them know what was happening. But when she did, the reply she got shattered her world and confirmed that the police were focusing on the cooks with reasonable suspicion. The woman who had reported the cooks was a relative who belonged to a local religious group that apparently had some pretty extreme views. Now, this is from the documentary as well. This is, um, you know, the 60 Minutes documentary um uh, the group in Australia, they everyone there also thought that this this lady, her family, um, these members of the the Cook family had very extremist views. Okay, I'm, this is not my opinion. This is what they said. They had very extreme religious views. Okay, the woman was also the mother of the children that were making the accusations against the Cooks. The children who had spent very limited time with the Cooks in the past. Now, for the sake of keeping everything straight, we're going to call this relative Karen. Because, why not, right? Karen catches so much flack nowadays, what's a little bit more? So, Karen apparently wrote in a journal about how the children came to her to tell her of these atrocities and how the whole thing unraveled. She shared the journal with police. She had apparently kept the boys in their rooms and demanded that they tell her what happened before she would release them. So I guess what happened was they said a little something. They had to have said something. These children, something made her feel uneasy about the cooks. Now, the cooks had very limited time with these kids, like we said. Um, But there was one video where the um, matriarch of the family, Teresa, and her next oldest daughter, oh my God, Yanni, Jeez, so many names in this, I'm so sorry. Her next oldest daughter, Yanni, had taken the two boys to a playground. And it looks like a home video that you would see in anyone's family. I mean, the kids are playing on the monkey bars. Um, the women are lifting the lifting the boys off of slides and onto slides and, and things like that. Uh, the boys appear to be, I would say, under six years old during this video. Okay, nothing in the video... Um, would give you any indication that these boys are being mistreated or even having a bad time, okay? So, for some reason, Karen got the inclination that her boys had been abused. So, what does she do? She is determined to get to the bottom of it. So, she sits these boys down in their rooms and says, you will not leave until you tell me what happened, okay? Okay? So, you guys can see how this can be troublesome. We've talked about... I, I, I've talked about children and their testimonies in the past. Do children need to be believed? Absolutely. We have to believe children. But, do children lie? Absolutely. That's why we have to have evidence to charge people with crimes. Okay? So, she sat the boys down in the room. Finally, they started telling her things in which she wrote down everything in her journal. She shared the journal with police. She had apparently, like I said, she apparently kept the boys in her rooms. Um, and it is, and it is for obvious reasons, theorized that the boys started to tell these stories uh, to appease their mother. And the whole situation blew out of control. Right? And, and it's hard as a mother to hear these accusations, whether they're false, made up, or they're made up on the spot or what. For whatever reason, it's hard for a mother to hear these accusations and not do anything, okay? So in defense of Karen, there's that, right? So each time the boys were telling uh, these stories, they become—the problem with this, though, is they become more and more disturbing. Each encounter that these boys talk about becomes more and more disturbing and just cruel, It's easy to see why on the other side of this, the mother and the police and the public all attack the family. Because like we spoke before in in past cases, kids can make up some pretty crazy things. Um, If you're not familiar with uh, the Greg Kelly case, which also is a very recent case, Greg Kelly was a high school football star in Texas, falsely accused of um, molesting this young boy at a daycare. This young boy comes forward, says Greg molested him. Um, and then another boy comes forward and says the same thing. Come to find out it, it's, uh, it's not Greg at all. So that's a crazy story as well, Greg Kelly story. There's a documentary on it called Outcry, highly suggest it, very good documentary. Um, so like I said, each time the boys were telling these stories, they, the encounters become more and more disturbing, okay? Yanni, for instance, um, who was 35, had been accused of not only raping the children, um, with her mother's approval, mind you, but also making these children assault each other, making them sexually assault each other. Now, Teresa, the matriarch, she was facing 43 charges alone. Since she was considered the, quote, ringleader, um, She was included these charges were awful, including sexual intercourse with childs under 10. She specifically was accused of biting into one of the boys' penises, then lifting him off of the ground, all while Paul filmed it, her brother. Okay, now this is just absurd for so many reasons absolutely absurd i don't understand how this claim alone can get passed first off how does this happen without any detrimental damage to these boys it's just that that's just impossible it's impossible in so many ways there would be some sort of sign there would be some there would be marks there would be uh this is this is just unheard of not only were that, there, there would be video. If Paul filmed it, where was the video, right? So this was in court, and by experts, this was called both improbable and impossible, right? No shocker there. However, even with this dismissal, the claim was still used against the family. It just kept being brought up and brought up as one of the probably most horrible claims you could ever hear. Other claims were that they would make them drink their own blood or bite their tongues even in the presence of Karen without her seeing it because they were so fast. Okay, if you're, if you're confused by this, the young boy said that the cooks would bite their tongues, like force the boys to stick out their tongues and then bring their mouth up to them and then bite it somehow. I know, it seems absurd. It seems absolutely absurd. Um, and then they were even as um, bold to say that the cooks would do this with their parents in the room. So, so, for instance, while Karen is sitting there next to her son, the cooks are so fast, they just whip their head around and bite her son's tongue without her knowing. Nothing happens, no screaming, no... No marks, no nothing, it just... How is this not dismissed immediately? This is crazy. Disturbing allegations of, of sodomy and torture being tied up um, while they were, were beaten with sticks. Okay? These accusations so atrocious that people have to believe them, right? The family was arrested at their property in February of 2018 and charged... They spent the next six to seven months fighting for bail and sometimes for their lives. Jail time is not easy uh, when you're convicted of sexual assault of a minor, right? So, So now they're all in prison, and it's at this time the family is separated from each other and not allowed to contact any of the other members. They all faced a possibility of serving 25 years to life in jail for their crimes. In prison, they faced even more danger. As accused child sex traffickers, abusers, rapists, their reputations in prison brought a lot of unwanted attention. For Lachi, for instance, only 17 years old, being young, in prison, and now he's accused of raping children. His prison mates were his biggest threat as he was assaulted multiple times. For, John, for Paul, the older gentleman in his 50s, and the other women, it was the guards calling them animals, mistreating them, bullying and intimidating them. Clarissa was brought to tears talking about how the guards would tell her she was going to be raped and bashed in prison. She spent three weeks in solitary. She talked about that in the documentary, how they threw her in solitary confinement, With these bright UV lights that just stayed on 24 hours a day. No one to talk to. Nothing to do. You're just in a bright room in solitary for three weeks. She said it was almost impossible to sleep. She couldn't eat. It was just awful. Now, you're wondering, how are they doing all this to people with still no evidence? I have no idea because no evidence was ever presented to suggest any type of abuse at all. No cuts, no bruises, or marks, nothing. The police had used a video of the boys at a, at the park, the one that I talked about earlier with Teresa and Clarissa, as proof that the children had been with the Cook family. I think earlier I mentioned that it was Yanni. I guess it was Clarissa. It was Teresa and Clarissa at the park with the, with the young boys, not Yanni. I apologize. So... But that is the only video they could find with the with the family, the cook family and the boys. That was the only video. But that is it. It showed the kids playing, being assisted by the women, uh, pushing them on the swings, assisting them on monkey bars, all just normal family stuff. And that is what the police used as, quote unquote, evidence that was that was their best evidence The case against the Cooks, uh, for lack of better term, seemed to be severely lacking here. Quote, the lack of evidence is evidence, and they ignored it, end quote. That's from the Cooks' defense lawyer, Brian Wrench. Eventually, the family was released on bail in August of 2018, but they were still not allowed to contact each other, and the charges still stood against each of them. The next year, they would spend fighting tooth and nail to prove their innocence. In March of 2019, it came to be known that one of the accusing boys had written a letter to his mom apologizing for making the whole thing up. She had apparently hid this from police. Here's what the letter said. It said, Mom, I'm really sorry. I've been lying about the whole thing. Nobody hurt me. I've been lying to you. End quote. And when Karen was asked why she had kept the letter from police, she said she did it to keep her son from feeling the embarrassment of not being believed. Convenient. But nonetheless, the charges were not dropped until February of 2020. Finally, the courts decided to drop all charges. Just weeks ago, the family broke their silence and in an interview with 60 Minutes Australia and their host, Tara Brown. The family discusses what it was like to be made to look like monsters, trying to prove their innocence, and details their time in prison. This 60-minute documentary is well worth the watch. Um, Guys, I've linked the documentary as well as other sources down below the description like I always do. So if you guys want to check that out, I, I highly recommend it. You can watch the documentary on YouTube um, in its entirety. So it's free. I highly recommend watching it. This is a huge injustice done to this family in Australia. And the reason I chose to cover this case, um, I know it's not unsolved. I know it's it's uh, it's not really that strange. Um, but I do think it needs to be talked about because this is a type of case that strikes fear into me more than any other thing. I've talked about it before. Being wrongly accused has got to be one of the greatest fears of any any just level, level-minded person. That always has to be in the back of your mind, especially someone who's a fan of true crime. What if you get convicted of something you didn't do? And you're not doing anything. You're not putting yourself in the situation... Um, for these accusations to even be made it's not like you're, it's not like these people were spending a lot of time alone with these children paul who the older gentleman who was in his 50s he said the only two times in his life he was around these boys was both at dinner with the boys and their parents only time he was around these boys he was never around these boys and their parents weren't there yet they still believe these accusations I don't understand. And you know what else I found really interesting? When these boys were talking about sacrifices, when these boys were talking about blood rituals, talking about how the cooks would cut them and drain their blood into a bowl or into a cup and then make them drink it, when they were saying all these crazy, outrageous accusations, they were learning about the exact same things in their religious teachings. And yet the mother still couldn't put two and two together. Karen was still convinced that the devil was working against her family and against her boys. Paranoia is real, people. It is. And I'm not saying you shouldn't believe your kids, but you should look for evidence. And also you should provide, you should provide a safe place for your kids to come. You shouldn't pressure them and make them tell you something that didn't happen. We've seen this. The same thing happened in the Greg Kelly case, like I talked about. It is, it's is—it's so many things. Um, so many of the same emotions and feelings were stirred up while while watching this documentary and learning about this case. You just feel for this family, a family who just wanted to keep to themselves. Yeah, maybe they're a little bit different. I mean, they run a circus school, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, they're a little bit different. But that does not mean that they're bad people. They just found a different way to go about this world, a different way to interact with each other. And this is just, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd and it's terrifying that something like this could happen to to literally anyone. Anyone. So, like I said, I, I apologize for if you were looking for a mystery, if you were looking for something unsolved today and, and you didn't find it, but I just felt like this case needs to be out there. And it's still it's very new, it's still breaking. Um go ahead and search the web if you want. There's not a whole lot out there. I'm telling you. I wanted to be one of the first ones to cover this case and get this out there. Um because I I feel like it's important and hopefully others will follow suit and hopefully more will come out. And hopefully the the police there in Australia will will make amends and say, you know, those two little words that that family wants to hear, which is I'm sorry. I'm sorry for ruining your life because those family members will have to live with this forever. The effects, Paul talked about how the effects on him were, um, uh, excessively worse than the rest of the family, right? Because he's looked at as, as the leader, even though, even though Therese, um, was the oldest, and she's kind of the matriarch and everything. But Paul, being a middle-aged man, he just he fits that stereotype, right? And they talked about that in the documentary. How does it feel to to have these accusations thrown upon you, and then you, you know, no offense, but you kind of fit the stereotype. You're an older, uh, you're an older middle-aged man, right? Single um does his own thing no children um it just it just doesn't look good it's it's very tough for someone like him especially and then also the 17 year old how does how does he move forward with this um it's just it, <sighs> I'm not saying the women don't have their own struggles. They absolutely do. And fighting these legal battles and all this stuff has destroyed not only their their lives and their reputations, but also their finances. This was a family who seemed to be doing well and living the life that they wanted. And they had this, this circus school to kind of bring them all together. And they had this this place to hang out and be happy and be fun and make a difference in people's lives. And it was completely flipped upside down. Um, because of some religious paranoia, in my opinion. Okay? So that's my opinion, and I hope that this family will see some... will get some relief. Hopefully the police will eventually make a public apology. Um, but the only issue is that the police feel like they did nothing wrong. They feel like they were just following leads. Um, But I, I just feel like they were too too, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, just too grabby with evidence. They were just trying to take anything and manipulate it in a way to make this family look guilty because these accusations were so absurd. Right? So that being said, guys, that's my spiel on this case. You kind of have, you have the majority of the facts there. I'm really interested to see what Lauren has to say this week. So let's get into the Lauren synopsis. We'll meet up on the other side. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren synopsis. Breaking down the case like. it down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren synopsis. Breaking down the case like. it down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren synopsis. Breaking down the case like. it down the case like cardboard boxes.
1: What's up, people? Lauren here. Here to get my thoughts on this week's strange and unexplained, very bizarre case. However, it is there's somewhat of a reoccurring theme here. There's a couple of cases that came to mind when I heard this story. Um, this this tends to pop up every now and then. It's more common than you might think. Um, but this this case that we're covering in SNU this week, the Cook family in Australia who ran a circus school out of their home looked like a, a pretty cool life they were living. Very eccentric and different, and I think that's part of the problem. Possibly the establishment, you know, the local law enforcement and whatnot didn't really care for them or like local people around there probably didn't care for them. That may have been where some accusations got kicked around. They lived a very different lifestyle. People a lot of times don't like that. Um, They came and go, went and gone a lot from their home. Their home was very different looking. Uh, They were up all through the night at odd hours, you know, did not live by a normal nine to five schedule and whatnot. Um, kind of hippies, you know. I think it's cool, but a lot of people don't care for that. Um, now, their family got turned upside down. Their lives all got turned upside down in 2018 when police came and arrested them on charges of sex crimes. Many, many charges. Uh, 145 offenses, including kidnapping, intimidation, assault, producing sex, sexual child abuse material. Um, after 40 almost 40 hours of interviews between the alleged child victims and investigators. So there were some child victims who came forward and outcried about some things that had happened. Um, and they were arrested, they were in shock. Um, there was a lot of people who were saying that this they could have never done this, that this is not them. Um, a lot of people were around all the time and said they didn't see anything like this. And there was seven people, seven like between the Cook family and also some members of the uh, of the school that worked there that were all arrested. And spent endured more than 200 days in custody, uh, and spent two years prohibited from speaking to each other um, before they were finally the charges were dropped in February when a when one of the victims came out and said that they were lying. Now, as I said, this is more common and it reoccurs throughout history. The McMartin case really came to mind for me. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware about the McMartin preschool trials that went on back in the 80s in Manhattan Beach, California, where a preschool, which was run by uh, Virginia McMartin and Peggy Buckley, they own this preschool, and they were brought up on 429 counts of sexual abuse against 29 children. Um, They were initially sentenced to 12 life sentences, um, and the allegations made by these children were just outrageous. They were... There was satanic rituals and all kinds of just absolutely despicable and disgusting acts, sexual acts against children. Um, And eventually, after long trials and everything, the the charges ended up being dropped. Um, And also this case reminded me of a case that we've done on True Crime Guys of Greg Kelly, Um, the documentary Outcry done about him, a promising young football star in Texas who was accused of sexual action, accused and convicted of sexual assault of a of a young boy, and um, spent s- several years in prison for it before finally being exonerated. Uh, unfortunately, that I do you know it's it's well known that that boy was assaulted. I just it's just there's no proof that it was Greg Kelly and more likely it was his roommate at the time. Um, but there's it's been studies done, and what I'm trying to get to is, with sometimes with children it can be it can be tricky because, I, like in this case. I, I don't know where the allegations came from. I'm not even going to say that nothing ever did happen within the Cook family. I am not. I don't know that there's proof to say that for sure that nothing happened, um, but it is very possible that nothing did happen. And some ideas kind of floated around. Maybe parents began it. Maybe they got suspicious of this weird family, the, what's going on with my kid at this school. However it began, sometimes it can spiral. If a parent begins to... Uh, really grill their child and introduce sexual ideas into their head that they hadn't considered. Sometimes the kid may initially deny. And later, these ideas, the creative mind they have, you know, kids, they begin to tell stories, tall tales for attention and whatnot. And of course, you always want to believe the victims, you know, you always want to believe a child when they're telling you something happened. But if they don't come to you first, and you you, they come to you after you've been questioning them and questioning them and, and Really getting detailed, where did they touch you in your privates and whatnot? There was studies done after the McMartin trials. Um, there was actually an experiment done where uh, they had a fake doctor do an exam on a, ch- a young girl. Right? They sat. They they had just the doctor and the girl in a room, and they videotaped the whole thing. And the doctor did a very basic examination. Nothing. Never went near the the girl's private area. Um, just tested. You know, like did the knee reflex thing, test her eyes and her ears, and you know, stethoscope and things like that. And then afterwards, right after the examination, uh, the little girl was interviewed and questioned and asked, you know, did, where did the doctor, did the doctor touch your privates? And the little girl initially said, no, he didn't go any, you know, he did not touch there. He just did this and this. A week later, after they had introduced this idea into the little girl's head, a week later they interviewed her again. And the second time after a week for her mind to really you know, create elaborate stories and whatnot after these new ideas had been put into her brain. She had these elaborate graphic stories about what the doctor had done to her private area. It was shocking and it goes to show that sometimes, you know, these things can happen. It's a fine line when you're, when you're dealing with children uh, and, and you have to be careful how you question them is, all, is what I'm saying, because sometimes this sort of thing can happen. Now, thankfully, the Cook family was exonerated after the child came out and said that, you know, they lied. Why they lied, I don't know. Um, And and I'm not sure exactly. I think they're probably protecting the other victims, but I'm not sure how many victims there actually are. Um, and, And honestly, some of the stories, the, you know, the allegations against the Cook family, they're, it's really hard to believe that these things happen. Like, there's one story, this is graphic, but... Within the Cook family allegations was this you know, one of the kids said that, you know, his penis had been bitten and actually he'd been lifted off the ground by you know, teeth but on his penis. And I um, you know, to me, if that had happened, there would have been he would have gone home, you know, bloody and there would have been a there's there would have been no mistaking that it had that had happened to him. You know, that's not something that you just come out like months later and be like, Oh yeah, that happened. You would you would go home and immediately the police would be called. Like that's something that that happens and there's no, there's you're gonna get caught. You know what I mean? Like there's it's just and it's one of those things where I think feel like that's the creativity of a young child as as crazy as it sounds. Sometimes these things can happen. Um, and it's a very touchy subject because, like I said, you all, of course you always want to believe victims. You always want to believe, especially young children, that that say that these things happen to them. But it's a very a very uh, a very tricky thing. You have to have very uh, very seasoned professionals dealing with these are you can't just have your average cop sitting down children and interviewing them because we saw how that went terribly wrong in the Greg Kelly case. And I'm sure it's happened many other times. You can't have your average, like, you know, just detective at a police station deal with this. You have to have child, child experts really sit down because they understand how different a child's mind is from an adult. Um, and I know I'm rambling, but this is a very, very interesting, um, discussion and topic and something that reoccurs throughout you know history I think we're getting better at understanding how these things happen and before of course everyone the public the police they all wanted to believe the victim and they immediately looked at you know this the so-called perpetrator you know that this this child is saying did this these crazy heinous things to them and these things really do happen and of course the, you know everyone immediately wants them you know, they want them burned alive at the stake, you know, like it's a, it becomes a witch hunt sometimes. Um, and I think that's kind of what happened to the Cook family. I think there's, you know, they need, supposedly there's video evidence. Where's this video evidence? You know, if they were recording these things they were doing to these children, where's the video evidence? Um, and so many people have come out in their defense and, uh, I think it continued to, it should be continued to be looked at. They should, and I think that's going to continue to happen. The police still say that they did this. However, you know, the courts disagreed and they, they let them out. So I think it's ongoing. Um, if, they, if the Cook family really didn't do anything, I feel terrible that this has all happened to them and they are definitely due for a lawsuit for defamation and everything else, the time that they lost and the time they served and the tormentation that they dealt with behind bars. You know, there was death threats and everything else that's gone on with them. So, yeah, uh, hopefully the truth, the full-on truth comes out uh, one way or another. And if they really are, they really did have anything to do with any of these things, then fuck them, lock them away. But um, I I can see how it could go. These things can really happen. um, As far as these false accusation, they can, they sometimes they just get crazier and crazier and crazier. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Great topic. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next week. All right. So
0: there you go. It sounds like we're kind of on the same page this week. Um, Again. So, shocker there. But I kind of figured because, you know, like I, I talked about the Greg Kelly case earlier, like Lauren mentioned, um, it's kind of hard not to, to bring up these cases of wrongful convictions um, when talking about these. And they're just becoming a little too common. These convictions are becoming a little too common in society. Um, we are because of such horrendous allegations, right? When the allegations are this extreme. Um, it's, it's funny how little evidence it takes to prove it, and that's just, that's terrifying, lack of a better term. So, guys, like I said, this is definitely something worth um, looking into. This case is, in, in my opinion, far from over. I think one of two things are going to happen. Um, I think either the police are going to continue to harass and try to prosecute this family to prove that they are correct, or... Or, and, uh, and or watch them very closely, or um, the police are going to issue an apology, and then maybe the family at that point um, will have w- everything they need to, to file a lawsuit. And I think that is ultimately, at least that's what the defense attorney wants to do, of course. I mean, obviously, we, we know um, that his motivations are a little bit different. Not saying that he doesn't care about the family. I'm just saying that is obviously... He's he's going to want to to sue. Now, maybe the police are holding back because of that reason. If they never admit any wrongdoing, if they never admit um, that they were wrong, that the, the case was all bullshit, that they harassed this family, then there's no there's no means for a lawsuit. Right. And I think that's that's the police, the local police there in Australia. I think that's their thinking. They're thinking is we don't admit any wrongdoing, then there is no wrongdoing. Therefore, we can't get sued for wrongdoing, and this family ought to be happy just to have their freedom. But in reality, um, an innocent family convicted of this sort of heinous crimes, and the months and years—really, years—of their lives that were taken from them, um, it, that should that can't just be that can't be let slide, because then in the future you're going to have you're going to have these law enforcement offices just taking any liberties that they want with people. If they get an inkling that someone is guilty, they don't like someone's lifestyle, like Lauren talked about, how uh, this family was a little eccentric, a little bit on the outside, right? They did things differently. And um, so that leaves them more open to speculation. So, uh, but yeah. So you guys follow this case, the Cook family um, out of Australia. If you type in Cook family circus... Uh, wrongly accused any of those things, you'll find it. like I said, there's not a lot out there. I highly suggest starting with the 60 minutes documentary on YouTube and um, yeah seeing where do you go from there. So guys, that's the case this week. Let me know what you think. Um, if you if you have any other cases like this that are similar, if it reminds you of a case, let me know. I'm very interested in these uh, wrongfully accused cases um, they're terrifying to look into, um, but they're also, they're also exciting, and they also give us some insight on what to do if we're in this, if we're ever in this situation, right? This is, this is a way that even good people, even quote-unquote good people, uh, whoever, whatever you want to call those, whatever you want to say that is, um, but it's a reason that good people could be under scrutiny, right? Under the scrutiny of the law. Having to face the law that you think that you abide on a daily basis um, when it's against you, it can be a whole new, can be a whole new thing, right? So these cases kind of, kind of in a way prepare us, um, as, like I say, as as of people who are genuinely innocent um, and are accused of a crime like this. It helps. It helps to learn about these cases and the in the way that they are processed and the steps that are taken. So, all right. So that's enough rambling about that. Uh, guys, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for um, leaving a review. If you have, if you haven't, please leave a review. Uh, the reviews have fallen, fallen down a little bit. I don't know what, what uh, the deal with that is. I, I think it's actually coming out that reviews aren't as detrimental to podcast growth, growth as we originally thought. But that still doesn't mean that they don't help the show Quite a bit. It, it when someone clicks on a show and they see a lot of reviews, they know that you know ten times that amount of people probably listen to this podcast. So that's that's a great way to to show growth and to also get some feedback. So if you if you have um, if you have some positive criticism, you can leave that in a review as well. Re- reviews don't always have to be glowing, and they don't always have to be. Uh, a kick in the nuts. So it, they tend to be either or, right? It either tends to be a review that's just overly positive, or it's like this podcast is bullshit. So it uh, it's nice to get some some actual uh some feedback from time to time. So if you guys are so inclined, that would be great, and I'll uh, I'll do my best. Obviously, if you're one person that writes in, you're like, oh, I don't like. The way that you do this or that and you're just one person, well, you know, you're just one person. But if the reviews start to pile, obviously we'll make a change, right? But otherwise, I don't know. I'm sitting here talking to myself. So uh, a great way to support the show, though, other than leave a review, is Patreon. Patreon.com slash S&U Podcast. Um, guys, the number one way to support the show... For $3 a month, you get early access to every episode. They were released on Thursdays instead of Mondays. And you also get access to any other bonus content that I put up. Um, I do another show on there called uh, Strange Shorts, where it's just... um, It would imply that it's a shorter episode, but typically they're around 30 minutes. But it's just topics that I don't really have enough for a full a full, uh, Strange and Unexplained episode. So I talk about them on there? Or maybe they're just strange. Maybe they're not so much, uh, unsolved or weird or creepy or whatever. They're just, just strange happenings. Um, also the Palette Cleanser podcast. The Palette Cleanser podcast will help free your mind from all of this true crime intake that I'm sure that you, that you, uh, expose yourself to. So, uh, so, like I said, that's patreon.com/slash s and podcast. There's a link below the description of every single episode. So you guys can check that out. Also at Sandu Podcast on social at S and U Podcast um, on all social media sites, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and then uh, you can search strange and unexplained on Facebook. You guys can reach out to me there, message me, leave a post. Whatever. I appreciate um, you posting about the podcast, sharing it on your Instagram stories, all that good stuff. I like Instagram, so I'm typically on there a little bit more. Um, Also, I got an exciting announcement. If you are a strange and unexplained diehard, you can get yourself a strange and unexplained shirt uh, now at truecrimeguys.threadless.com. That's truecrimeguys.threadless.com, also a link in the description. And I have um, one shirt design available on there for Strange and Unexplained. There's also, I think, three other designs that are for the True Crime Guys podcast that I do with Lauren that you heard in the synopsis. Uh, me and Lauren, we have a conversational style true crime podcast as well called True Crime Guys. The other designs are um, True Crime Guys designs because this podcast is under the True Crime Guys umbrella. So any new True Crime Guys or Strange and Unexplained merch that we uh, create will be available at truecrimeguys.threadless.com. And guys, there are tons of things there. So what you do is you, when you go to that site, it'll immediately pull up and you'll see a page with four designs on it. You click what design you want, and then there are tons of products that you can order with that design on it. From coffee mugs to face masks, right? During this time of COVID, not a bad thing to have. Get, get your strange and unexplained face mask, represent. Uh, there's hoodies, sweatshirts, uh, T-shirts. There's there's uh, women's shirts, men's shirts, kids' shirts, um, all kinds of stuff, artwork, mugs. Um, anything that you could probably want for some aspect of your life, if you want something that's strange and unexplained or something true crime, guys, it's on that site. And if, the, if the, they're not available, let me know, and I'll work to try to uh, get those products available for you with those logos. So that's my spiel this week, guys. I want to thank everyone who, who, like I said, takes the time to review. Thank to everyone who tells a friend. Um, you guys, true heroes of this podcast, thanks for spreading the word. All right? All right, guys. Well, I'll see you next week. Remember, be strange. Just don't be a stranger.